What is crackalackin', fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with my certified fantabulous, also thermonuclear AF co-host, Grant Hughes. It is trade deadline primer time. Once you see, if you're watching on YouTube, what's on the screen or what we're talking about or what will eventually be published at Bleacher Report, you might understand why I am not active in the Discord at this moment. But hey, join the Discord. The link to that is in the podcast and YouTube descriptions we have a lot of fun in there it's nice seeing everyone interact with each other as well also subscribe to us if you haven't done that already if this is your first time checking us out on youtube hit subscribe like comment please help the algorithm love us back follow our other youtube channel where i just post shorts of what i think are fun nba stats uh it's we're at nba absurd stats there the link to that is in the youtube description i should probably put it in the podcast description i will eventually follow us on the socials at hardwood knocks on twitter and TikTok at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. We are closing in on 200 followers on, in, on TikTok, a whopping 200 followers on TikTok, which is more than we have on Instagram, which has been hovering around 185 to 188 for the past like eight months. I don't know how to build followings on these platforms at all. We're posting content all the time. Finally, if you have done all these things, subscribe to us on whatever podcast player you use. Word of mouth recommendations, shout outs on Twitter. They always mean a lot. Anything to help us continue grow the community. Grant Hughes, we're diving in to a trade deadline primer. How are you feeling? Well, uh, as is not the case for uh, what we're about to get into, I'm unprepared to give you a quippy uh, lead because I felt really good about my Jordan Poole thing last time we talked, but yeah, I just don't have it today. So, but that's a testament to how much prep and work we've been putting in. There's just there just was no time for that for that kind of nonsense. This is going to be a real detail-oriented excursion into the trade deadline. With all that said, we now move on to the Northwest Division. As I did not lay out in the Pacific Division podcast, we're just having a free-flowing discussion. You can head on YouTube. I put the the doc that Grant and I are using as sort of a master sheet with contracts, pick obligations up to look at it. Uh, we're talking about whether teams will buy or sell based on their trajectory, not even sometimes what we would do, but also what we kind of expect them to do. Uh, and so we'll we'll talk about our biggest questions there. And we do have a trade idea for each team, which is done through the context of I am this team and I am making the call to propose this trade. We're not necessarily even endorsing it or saying every team will make a trade. And the first team we're going to talk to about right off the bat, I think in the Denver Nuggets is a prime example of someone that doesn't necessarily need to make a trade. Um, but so that's how this whole thing was structured. And so we will begin with Denver. They're clearly buyers. I don't know if they actually make a move here. My biggest question is basically that though. Do they actually make a move? Um, and like, what is, what is the move? The mod has been made of their bench, which has been a little bit better of late. You do have Zeke Naji. So how pressing is it to get a backup big who might sort of displace him from the rotation? Um, I don't think, you know, they don't have a first round pick to really trade because of the conditional one that's owed to OKC. They can give up a conditional 2029, but it would have to expire immediately if their pick to OKC didn't convey in 2027. Um, they could technically target like a bigger move if they wanted to, but I don't think that you know, we're not talking Michael Porter Jr. trades and I don't even know what his value would be. He is just so he's been good this season, but he still just has some lingering injury issues. And so, yeah, they're also more than $11 million over the tax line right now. And are they willing to take on money? Because they do have a traded player exception, the $9.1 million uh, TPE that is going to expire in July. So you could use that to take on a player. Are you willing to pay the tax implications that um, come with it? And 
if I think they're still concerned about their defense, despite what, uh, look, I'm not painting a broad brush here. There are too many nuggets, YouTube commenters that are fucking annoying at this point and think that their team has the best defense in the league. I know what you've done over the past, whatever 20 games or so seasons get broken down into segments. We still need to see it in the playoffs, like the regular season. We've seen it with Denver where they've had these good stretches before and don't come at us and say, we're harping too much on historical context where you don't need to be top 10 in defense when you're this good on offense. That might be true. Historically, it is not. That's all we're saying. And I picked the nuggets to win the title. So please not all nuggets commenters, but the ones on YouTube that like to go well, actually, or cite all these different defensive metrics and they never align with one another shut the fuck up. I'm just, I'm so over <laughs> you. Um, and a part of it's because like people coming at Grant for saying he doesn't pay attention to them. I know Grant. I love Grant. He pays attention to them. So please STFU, you can disagree with something. We'll have a productive discussion about it, but if the nuggets need to say, Hey, we kind of want like maybe someone who can contain the ball on defense, that might be an actual need for them. Or we want to try and diversify just the backline help defensive protection, because we don't want to have to rely on, the players that we have in tow for that. That's fine. If they want to go the backup big route, that's also fine. Um, I would say I'm not giving up like a real asset for a backup big. And I don't even know what assets would be on the table for them. I have their most likely player to be traded as is Smith. I don't even know if you would agree with that. I don't know how to pinpoint. That. I think some people thought earlier it'd be Zeke Naji. I just think it shouldn't be and, and probably won't be. Uh, so yeah, that's my biggest question is, will they make a move? And is the move just geared towards, do we default to, well, we're going to try and upgrade sort of the backup big minutes in which case it's like, all right, well, you're talking about the 12 minutes per game in the playoffs or eight minutes per game in the playoffs that Jokic isn't on the court. What are your just general thoughts on, on how the nuggets might approach the, the deadline? Yeah, there, I think the tax stuff is interesting and that trade exception looms large because normally a team in this position, you would think like, yeah, they're going to use that. And let's talk about some of the options. I think it's pretty likely that that's not, what's going to happen. Uh, I just, <laughs> I just, I, unfortunately, I just don't think that's, that's in the cards. Um, so yeah, mo they're a little bit like the warriors in that, like anyone that they could trade that has any value, they just won't because they matter too much to the team. They just don't have a James Wiseman type sitting there doing nothing for a big enough number to make an impact in, in it as a matching salary in a trade. So yeah, I don't, you know, first of all, this is why I don't engage with comments at all. Uh, but I just don't know how you look at this team and don't say, well, the, if we're going to do something, the defense has to be the focal point because this just is not some, the, this level of defense has just generally not worked uh, in a championship context. So yeah, I, I, Najee is interesting. We've gone back and forth on Najee several times. I guess you're, if you're trading him, you're, it's kind of the, like the Crowder situation. You're trading him for someone that's kind of like him, but different enough to justify. I saw, I saw a Zeke Naji for Nas Reed swap proposed, and I was just like, "What are we? Yeah, like what are we doing here?" It's, it's like, yeah, so, so I don't. So ultimately, I don't think they're going to do anything, and I think that's probably fine. Um, I think if there were some big move out there that made a lot of sense uh, that they could sacrifice draft picks for, sure, great. Just they don't have them, so. They they could also like we're, we haven't talked about it. I don't think anyone expects it. You have sort of this blockbuster asset in bones Highland. He's been uneven a little bit this season. The defense has been bad, but he is a caps lock shot maker. And that's he, he, he makes shots. He doesn't make enough money. 
I don't think. To well, really you have get. like, yeah, but between Ishmith and Jeff Green, and if you want to get into that, those types of, you know, you could bring back a player who's making. I had thought about like, would you give up? I just, I'm not, I'm just wondering, like, would you give up Bones Highland for Alex Caruso? <sighs> Who, well, by the way, I think fits. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't fit into their trade exception. I'll double. But that's the other thing here is like, you don't need necessarily Bones Highland to make a ton of money if the player you're getting fits into that trade exception, which Alex Caruso does, by the way, you could just go straight up bone Island for Alex Caruso. Would like you talk about, Oh, we're, we're win fucking now. Yeah. But I'm just like, are you just no on that? I'm not. No, I'm not. No at all. I think, I think (laughs) the Denver, the Denver commenters are going to come at me more. I think if you're in a, in a postseason context, I think Alex Caruso might just be a better player to have than bones Highland given, given the nuggets, roster construction like you can hopefully murray continues to look better you can stagger him and Jokic, so you have shot creation out there either way highland is just like an electrifying live wire scorer who can just you know win his six or eight minute stints by himself but there's also you know he's super vulnerable defensively which is the case of for almost everybody that guards on the perimeter on that roster And he's going to have off, like he's a six man. Um, And I think those are just easier to find and less valuable than a shutdown, you know, backcourt defensive piece like Caruso who can make open threes and make good decisions. Like won't take the open three. That's the type of player that I think matters more than someone this, this current, you know, age, whatever of Highland can, can do for a playoff team right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Chicago Denver doesn't do. if they're going to pivot. You don't like you're not having Demar Derozan, Bones Island is that? And I know that doesn't make sense. I just right. how was that for an off the cuff trade proposal though? Really good, really good. Because I gave you an answer you probably didn't expect. So no, I didn't. I I wouldn't do it if I was Denver. And I probably wouldn't again. Chicago, if I'm like going to pivot, yeah, I would do it. Um, yeah. So do you uh, to wrap it up before I get to the trade? Do you expect them if you had to predict of them making a move or not? And it's so it, I'm talking the teensy teensy tiniest move because you're at this level you might be the best team in the league you're the second best team in the league right now like it's you're almost obligated to be like okay well we have weaknesses or could be weaknesses you could talk about how it took time for the injuries to sort of you know guys get back and call ace but you're just you're at this level this is your best chance you've ever had to win a title bar none maybe after the first aaron gordon like when you first got aaron gordon before the jamal murray injury like now it's okay. These guys have been through a training camp together. Like they've played a bunch of games together. This is your best shot at winning a title. Do you actually do nothing at the trade deadline? It's a tough look, right? And especially it's made tougher by the fact that it really would just as much as anything be a financial decision to, to avoid like, so I, I don't think they're going to do anything. Uh, it is the short answer. And like, can you imagine if they did a tax cutting move? You know, like if that, if that was the the solution, I guess you got time to get under, but um, no, I don't think, I don't think anything's in the pipeline. They pay like San Antonio to take on Ishmith or something. Right. And look though, like, I think if you're Denver, you can look at where they are in the standings and you can say, we still expect Murray to look better and better. We expect Porter to improve. Like maybe Gordon can't sustain this because this is a real new level for him as a professional this year, but you've got reasons to believe, you know, we've, we've done what we needed to do so far in terms of their stand position in the standings and we have upside. So like if, 
in conjunction with we don't want to pay a bunch of tax, like that's pretty compelling, I think. And it, it augurs towards the Nuggets not doing anything. My trade idea for them is the Nuggets get Isaiah Hartenstein and they give the Knicks. They don't even need to do this. Isaiah Hartenstein fits into the trade exception. I'm just assuming they'd want to give up as much money as possible. Uh, Davon Reed and, and Ish Smith. I'm going to need some, I'm going to need some picks if I'm the Knicks there. Um, especially, I mean, Mitchell Robinson's out. So you got to, Hartenstein's going to play a lot more. No, I'm forcing them to play Obi Toppin and Julius Randle together, <laughs> or at least Obi Toppin at the five. And they have oh, Jericho man. Sims. So. I got dragged for suggesting that uh, several months ago for the Knicks. So I can't comment on Obi Toppin and Julius Randle playing together. Um, so it's a no for the Knicks. You would need a set, but you would do it if a second round pick is there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I, I definitely Hardenstein. We've, we've said, you know, who cares about backup centers? Cause Jokic is going to play all the minutes, but Hardens, I like Hardenstein. He's a good player. And I do agree that the way the Knicks are using him does not cater to his skill set, Whereas, he could just come in and do a Jokic impression like he did for a handful of games a couple of years ago for the Nuggets. That We know that works. I would take on the tax money, whatever the framework needs to be, if I'm Denver. Of course, they might rope in a third team to make sure that doesn't happen. But Yeah. All right. So not a lot of action there. Uh, to the next Northwest team where I'd be shocked if there was not significant action, that's the Utah Jazz. Uh, the question for me, for them, it's been the question all year. Uh, with some tweaks to it is like who's expendable like who which where are the keepers and where are the guys that we need to flip for you name it more picks younger players bad salary coming back with other assets attached Um, you know we could just kind of go through I think obviously and I think they've said so and it's intuitive if they haven't for the Jazz you know Walker Kessler going nowhere Laurie Markkinen going nowhere maybe Oshay Abaji also going nowhere but that's just like a several steps down the keeper right behind the, Kessler. the only untouchables are Lowry marketed and Walker Kessler at this. Point. And then it's just like, all right, so how high can we drive up the prices on guys that multiple teams are going to want? Like Malik Beasley, I think Kelly Olenek potentially too. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is, kind of, I think Vanderbilt, some people would say is, should be in the keeper category. I, I, he's kind of on the fence. He's in like a third. Well, let's see what the offers are section. Um, I've so, kind of wondered if like, I don't know if he fits Indiana's motif, but like, would you give up the, and would you do it if you're Utah? Like you have the Cleveland and Boston first round picks, let's say the more favorable of those first round picks. Would you give that up for Jared Vanderbilt? And who says no in that situation on the assumption, you're going to keep miles Turner and that's your five and you can get away with Vanderbilt at the four there. Well, even if you don't keep miles Turner, like you play Jared Vanderbilt at the five too. I don't know. They don't seem to understand what they want to do with Isaiah Jackson, uh, Jalen Smith just feels like very much a placeholder for them. I just get just no, I like, I like Vanderbilt. I actually really like Vanderbilt, but I do think the Vanderbilt Kessler, like long-term pairing is a little iffy. Um, I, I would want him a, with a, like a dead eye. I mean, it made sense with Carl Anthony towns, for example, it would make sense with Turner. I want him with a big guy. Who's going to be a perimeter oriented five that also ideally can, can, defend the ring jalen smith and miles turner one of them's going to stay in indy long term right <laughs> man was i wrong on jalen smith uh so yeah i you just i just go looking through it like there's a bunch of guys you know we've mentioned we've mentioned conley in the pacific division pod we did for the clippers um you know he's a little overpaid for what he's doing now but 14 million is guaranteed next year of the 24 i actually think colin sexton might be someone i'd be trying to trade even though they just uh, inked him on that sign and trade for, for Mitchell Beasley, for sure. Like if, if I I'm, I'm calling the Grizzlies and it's like, give me Zaire Williams and something else. We know you want Mike, 
Malik Beasley. I'd even look to trade Clarkson. Basically, like everybody's on the table, and all I want are picks, young lottery ticket guys. Um, let's like, yeah, John Collins, sure. He costs a bunch of money. Don't care. He's an upside guy. OG Ananobi, let's do it. Let, Warriors, do you want to give me James Wiseman and Moody and whatever? Like any any type like that for would you you would take on James Wiseman with Walker Kessler there if you're Utah? Why not? What are they All like? Right. You know, <laughs> just on, just on the thinking that we get a year to look at him and uh, we can flip him, we can not resign. Like Utah's just in in this like the ultimate sweet spot where the you know they got a couple really good keeper pieces from those two trades. They have all these picks and they're better now than anybody thought they would be. So like let's just let's just continue. Let's not pretend like you know, we need to think about positions. We need, this is still just asset collection mode. Right. And I think Wiseman and, you know, lots of guys like that. Uh, who would you, I'm, I don't mean to make this about the Warriors. Who would you want? No, I, Jazz from yeah, the Warriors? I know. I'm just curious if you were to do that. Like, is it, does Malik Beasley move the needle for you for Golden State? Probably not. I think, I think actually Kelly Olenek, even though we just keep saying backup bigs don't really matter. Olenek would be someone who would make some sense. Like, you know, Vanderbilt, I th- I don't know what you do with Vanderbilt if he's going to play with Looney and Draymond. That's tough. Um, probably not Mike Conley. Yeah, I don't know if that works. That's just that that type of name would be what I'd be looking for. No, so, I feel I like, did, are they a team that, like, hey, just can you help Philly duck the tax and get Matisse Seibel? Sure. The other thing, this is I this is based on nothing, and it just because I like Dyson Daniels. Can, can we give Olenek and, uh, like, do the Pels want some picks? And we'll take back uh, Devonte Graham's bad salary. You have to give us Dyson Daniels. How, like, just let's give me give me all the guy, give me all the young guys that maybe the word is not out yet on. You know, maybe, I like, mean, spoiler alert. I mean, I can mention it won't be this pod, so it'll be on the next pod too. But the trade that I had was Devonte Graham, Herb Jones, basically for Malik Beasley, and I think a second round pick for Malik Beasley. Is that enough? Is Herb Jones, the flyer on Herb Jones enough to take back one year of Devontae Graham and then give up Malik Beasley, who has the team option for next season? Hell yes. Oh, it is. Okay. Herb Jones has not been healthy or exceptionally good this season. I still think he could be an all-world defender. I I thought it was enough. I was just curious. Yeah. Same with Daniels. Daniels, I think there's still some more shine on Daniels just because – the point guard stuff and, and he's younger and he has not had the down second year that Jones has had so far. And I think just the, you know, Jones, I think only has one more guaranteed year left on his deal. So right. I think you, if you're Utah, you probably need to give up like Malik Beasley. And I would think a pick, not like a good, great pick, but like a pick for Devonte Graham and Dyson Daniels at the very least. I don't think new Orleans would do it. You got picks to spare, man. Do it. Like, so you <laughs> just, just give them all your 2023 draft picks or something. And that's yeah. the thing with Utah, which makes it tough what you will see in my trade proposal on them, if you care, is they just have so many picks that you don't want to quadruple dip in certain years. They have three 2023 picks right now. None of which, by the way, depending (laughs) on what happens with the Timberwolves and the Jazz themselves, might be in the lottery. So, uh, like, I mean, like, it's just, it's very bizarre, which makes hammering out trades, I think you can hold out for either like overpays from teams where it's okay. Well, they gave us, we don't necessarily need these picks, but we got so many of them that we just took them. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think 
whether you're accumulating, it's kind of like just not being at a place where you want to draft for need. Like, I don't care if I take back more picks. I don't care how many of them I have in a certain year. I can trade them on draft night to move up or whatever. Like, or I can, you know, the thunder face that we'll get to them shortly. Like they got like one roster spot open. They're going to have all these picks. Like somebody's got to go. Who cares? Figure it out then. Just, just hold on to those picks till then, or just dump them. Cause you can get Daniels. That's, that's the more I talk about it, the more I'm trying to manifest it. Very quickly, who is your most likely player to be traded for them, Mike Conley or Malik Beasley? I had Conley, but I'm like, as we talk about it, I'm like, I feel like it's Beasley just because he's going to get so much. It's Beasley for me just because I'm cha- I agree. The, the, team, the team option is so tantalizing on the second year. And and because uh, you think about it, whatever you give up for him now, if you just keep him for next year and you it's, you can flip him again, and presumably guys who are, can shoot a bunch of threes, at, you know, high, high volume, high efficiency are just always going to be in demand. They feel like a team also that could just be because they have the I didn't mention this. They have just three significant and I define significant as more than five million traded player exceptions. And so like they don't even need to if they're going to have the roster spot or willing to create one. You just take back a player's not making a crap ton. Like Matisse Seibel from Philly or maybe it's you get Seibel and Korkmaz and you're sending Nikhil Alexander Walker back. Uh, You could do something like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that would be that would be something for them to consider. My trade idea for them is they get Grayson Allen, Marjan Bochamp, and Milwaukee's 2029 first-round pick for Malik Beasley. Maybe there's protections on that pick. It would have to expire immediately. I mean, I love that for the Jazz just because I get Bo- Bochamp. Like, I might just trade Beasley for him, you know. Oh, so money, really? Doesn't work, but so I, if, it was, if it was Marjan Bochamp and Allen and then four second-round picks or something, you would do it? <sighs> I might just because, I mean, I guess that presumes that there's not going to be a first round offer for Beasley, which is maybe a mistake. Um, but Bo- I think Bochamp is going to be in the league a long time. And, you know, Allen, I guess like <laughs> there are certain aspects of Grayson Allen that would play well in Utah. We've seen historically, uh, but like, he's still a good shooter that you could flip eventually. I don't know. There's a scenario where like, if you're talking about trying to move Grayson Allen at the deadline next year, the demand is actually not that different from what it is for Beasley right now. So from an asset perspective, I think, you know, it, it's, it's not that different. And then I just think Beauchamp is like a, a viable rotation guy for, for several years. So I'm, I'm kind of with upside too, for sure. So I'm, I'm into that, even if I'm not getting a first out of it. That's interesting. So, uh, and I guess, I mean, he feels you're kind of, you get in a player rather than a pick with Joni, but if you can get the 2029 pick, You've only got two, two, you only got three 2029 picks right now between your own Cleveland's and, and, uh, Minnesota's. So, uh, I mean, isn't Beauchamp your guy? I assumed Beasley's market was going to be richer. Look, if you're Milwaukee, that's what you offer to me is you Mm -hmm. go with the four for, and they look, they can give up first round picks in 27, 28, and 29, I believe. So those aren't nothing if you're trying to hedge against their long term future. Yeah. That, that, that's the offer you go in with is those plus Beauchamp for Beasley. I just, is that enough when he has another year left on his deal? It was just my, yeah, I don't know. I I like it. I just I like it more. I don't know why I like it so much. I think I I I'm surprised I'm the one that's having to cape for Bochamp. I thought you were just that was your guy. I'm, in the I'm draft. high on him. I just don't know. I guess I was basing it on the other offers that I thought would be out there, and maybe I'm misevaluating the market. Um, for and also just like the extra year left on Grayson Allen's deal to yeah. reunite with him, and I, I think George Hill needs to be a part of this trade too. But um, if if anyone cares, so it's like you get into some like weird roster spot lingo um, that you would need to, to figure out because I don't think, yeah, you need to have 
So it'd be like a three for one, or you can give back uh, Milwaukee like a super cheap player, and you could still make it work, like a you know Azubuki or Balamo. I think might still be, but I just it seems rich from Milwaukee's perspective. If I'm Utah, that's probably what I'm asking for, though. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they are. I don't know what they are. They're buyers, I guess, but they could be sellers if you're looking at just D'Angelo Russell and his like upcoming contract situation. Are you going to resign him in free agency? They don't really have like you're not trading Anthony Edwards. Cat can't be traded. Rudy Gobert has 131.5 million coming to him over the next three years. You're not getting anything for him. Nas Reed is about to hit free agency, and it, they're in this weird spot where they can't afford to trade Nas Reed, but they also can't afford to keep him when he's going to enter free agency. And like, that's someone who's going to give you some switchability on defense and shooting and rebounding. Um, they have Jaden McDaniels again, someone who doesn't make nearly enough to be a difference maker. Kyle Anderson playing, you know, out of his mind this year or the best basketball of his career is probably a kinder way to phrase that you can't trade a first round pick. You do have New York's 2023 second round pick. If you know that that's something I just, what is the move? Here. Like D'Angelo Russell's contract at 31.4 million expiring. That's interesting as a salary matcher, but like what can you get for D'Angelo Russell and Nas Reed if that's the package that you're slinging out there? You're also 3.1 million under the luxury tax. So there's like some maneuverability issues there as well. Um, I don't know what like this team, I think here's what they could stand to do. Towns being absent has sort of skewed this, and we've seen a renaissance of their three-point shooting lately, but I do think they could use sort of a higher volume three-point shooter. Um, I think they could stand to really bolster their perimeter defensive carousel. And then the other thing that they kind of need would just be like someone who is a more intuitive fit with Rudy Gobert than D'Angelo Russell. Um, And just like, I guess if you trust Kyle Anderson and Anthony Edwards to make enough plays for you, and then when you're going to get Jordan McLaughlin back from uh, injury that you have enough playmaking, does that make D'Angelo Russell expendable or he's been playing really well lately? Are you better off just, keeping him and then seeing what his next contract looks like looks like rather than folding him into players who I would argue individually would all have lower end outcomes on this season, but you might be able to just fold their smaller salaries. Like if you take on money for next year, that's money that you can trade and it's not a D-low number at like 25 plus million or whatever he ends up costing you. And so I don't know what direction they take. They almost feel like they have to stand pat because they're just, out of options and and out of I'll say dispensable assets and the ones that they can give like again their best trade package right now is what does Nas Reed D'Angelo Russell in that New York second get you I mean let me ask you would you rather have D'Angelo Russell on this expiring deal or Kyle Lowry with another what is it one more year Oh man, I mean Kyle Lowry's been not great this season. So I'm, right. it's just I don't know what the number is going to cost to keep D'Lo, and he seems like it, everything we hear is like he's a good locker room guy, but he also seems kind of disenchanted with the extension stuff and the trade right. talks. And so it's if he's going to leave, but if you also have to pay him three to four years at twenty five million a clip, like I'd rather just have the year of Kyle Lowry and keep my options open. I think I agree, and I, and so that's just the issue, like you know, the, the Timberwolves are in a situation with their, their cap where, you know, if you let Russell go, which seems plausible because I just don't know who's, you know, falling over themselves to trade for him. If he's just not back, you, you lose a, a massive salary slot. So like, then you're faced with the decision of, do we just keep this guy on a big number so that we can trade him later or just preserve that salary slot? But then like, 
the number you sign him at, it might just not be a tradable number. So, so I, I, so when you're asking, you know, the most likely player to move, I, I think Reed makes a lot of sense for the same reasons, except it's just the money is so much less uh, and his role is not as big, although it's been so much bigger later. Russell feels like the, the, the guy to me where it's like, wait, stop. Tell me again why they're not going to trade this guy just because of, of the financial realities of keeping him and what it's going to cost to do that relative to what he brings. So uh, I, I, it's one of the trick, like I just, the, like a Conley trade, we can get to that. We could jump right to it now if you want to, but um, there just aren't that many plug and play veteran point guards who would either be close to Russell in terms of their contributions this year, or a little bit better at similar salaries that you would want more. But I kind of just feel like if you don't do something with Russell now, you're just kind of, you're just foreclosing on a whole series of possibilities that would have been there had you done something, you know, whether that's trading for a longer term salary or, or just, I, yeah, I don't know. Something's got, something feels like it needs to happen with him. Uh, I would agree with you. And the trade I have, speaking of Mike Conley, is it's a three-teamer. So if anyone's watching, they should probably look at the screen. Timberwolves get Mike Conley, Terrence Mann, and John Wall. The Clippers get Bryn Forbes, Nas Reed, and D'Angelo Russell. The Jazz get Robert Covington, Reggie Jackson, New York's 2023 second-round pick, and the Clippers' 2024 second-round pick. I have a tough time before I throw it to you figuring out how to value this for the Wolves. I think it matters that D'Angelo Russell is an expiring contract, as is Nas Reed, and that's going to impact. D'Angelo Russell has the highest ceiling on any single player in this deal, but Terrence Mann is really good under contract for another two years. I don't think the Clippers want to give him up, but if it also means getting what could be the best player in this deal, I don't know if they like Russell as the fit. Again, I'm proposing this as the Timberwolves. I think some Wolves fans might say, oh, we don't want to give up that, you know, Russell and Reed, or we don't want to give up that New York second round pick, but this is just the structure I came up with. I'm curious as to your thoughts on it. Well, the first thing I'd say is you're not just giving them up. I mean, you are, but you're, you're making sure you don't lose them for nothing. So it's not just like, Oh, is this a fair return package? It's, is this package better than nothing? Cause nothing is on the table. Like that is a real option for That's both fair. of those That's guys. Fair. So, yeah, I mean, within this season, I don't know, but long-term, if, if the alternative is they walk in free agency and you didn't get anything, then obviously this works. I like it for Minnesota. I like man a lot. Um, Conley, I think would be like the adult in the there than D'Lo probably. Yeah. I, I, I think that totally works. And then even from the Clippers perspective, like you got your point guard, you got it. You've addressed your backup big need and you got a shooter like that's fine. And then the jazz are just happy to, you know, take whatever salary with some picks attached. They are just happy to be here. Uh, yeah. Ha I, happy to be here. The one concern I would have for LA is we know they like man, but it's, yeah. they do have the resources to pay Nas Reed and D'Lo. What are the chances that they do that? I mean, and they can lessen there. If you were willing to give up Luke Kennard in this deal, like you could sub him out for, you know, Reggie Jackson's expiring deal since you're getting rid of both wall and Jackson. Um, but like, do you even want it? Luke Kennard is kind of important to what you're doing. If you're not getting back a functional shooter, like a high volume functional shooter. So I just don't know how they would view it where you're giving up man. Who's already under contract for two players in Reed and D'Lo, who I think help. I do think they help. I think Clippers yeah. fans might push back that D'Lo helps, but I think, I think he helps. Uh, but are you going to want to pay them? 
Well, no, but I think maybe me, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to want to, I just, the whole reason I'm the wolves, I want to move on from Russell. So I don't have to pay him what it's going to cost. Um, you know, there are a couple from the Clippers perspective, this is kind of a year to year thing. So if this, if this makes us better today now, then that matters more than it would for a lot of other teams. And then I do wonder if, you know, I don't know what matters to Russell, but he's made quite a bit of money already. And if you could tell him, you know, we'll pay you 25 million a year because we don't care about the money, first of all, uh, to be the starting point guard for a team that is a hundred percent going to try to contend every season in Los Angeles. Like, I don't know, that goes a little farther than I took a point, whatever else, whatever other offers might be out there. Um, Moving on to the Oklahoma city thunder. I'm so mad that you ended up with this team, by the way, because they're just, I I get invited on thunder podcast. Now I'm just such a, I'm a thunder Homer. It's like when I went through the, the Phoenix suns being a little bit ahead of them than a lot of other people in national media. And now thunder fans currently like me. I love it. Well, there's, I mean, cause there's nothing bad to say about the team. So of course they like you. You're just tell, saying all the good things. Um, so, and I'm going to say some more, uh, <laughs> so the question for them to me is kind of like an, are we doing this like already, which is, are we going to kind of add some talent now? Cause they're in it. Uh, unfortunately the answer is no, we are not, or no, they should not. Uh, I, I'm not, it's a lot of fun to be buyers uh they're good enough to justify being a buyer i think they should just be opportunistic it should just i mean they're in a different place than some of these other teams that are rebuilding they're in a better place obviously uh you know asset wise young talent wise everything is you know everything's golden for them but it's still a phase of like you know so say we say they trade for because they got the picks to do it say they go get beasley bogdanovich like whatever you know, doesn't make them a likely team to win a playoff series or whatever. And then you've given up on some of those long-term assets. So to me, it's like, they're not going to trade any of their top six or eight guys. Um, There's nobody else that really makes enough money to really do anything other than Darius Baisley, who like, I don't know if he has value at all around the league. He's at 4.2 million. Um, they have this roster crunch issue. So like a multiple guys for one makes a lot of sense. Cause they're going to have to figure out what to do to clear space, to accommodate the draft picks that are coming. Um, so, you know, I, I, as much as I want them or as, as fun as it would be to say, well, just let's throw the picks on the table. Let's go get the best two players we can. Cause we can make that happen it's not really true because they don't have the matching salary that they should be willing to give up generally speaking. And it's just kind of, it's kind of too early, I think still to be adding talent. I don't know if you disagree. I, I imagine you have them uh, with avenues towards being more aggressive to add talent, but I, I I'm not sure I see, you know, the easiest way or the most obvious targets to do that. Shooters. Sure. Guys who can finish, they suck finishing at the rim, even though they have SGA. Um, that kind of thing would be obvious needs, but I just don't see the easy way to do that. Yeah. And like, they're just, they're so limited in what their salary matching right. is uh, because like, you're not going to trade Shea. You're not going to trade Lou Dort independent of a blockbuster, which you're not going to make this season when you haven't seen Chet Holmgren. So that means you're also not going to trade Josh Giddy. It kind of also means then that you're not going to trade Jalen Williams. And like, then we're talking about players who make like $3 million. Yeah. So it's hard to step out of your way there. You do, however, have the $10.2 million trade exception. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, could you try and do something with that? Like you can get a more expensive player while sending out a cheaper one. Um, I think that 
they do have some guys who could be viewed as dispensable, but they also have to look at it this way. They have some second round picks, but they have one first round pick coming in this year. And they have projected of one open roster spot because I think that they'll bring Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Isaiah, Joe, Aaron Wiggins back, Mike Muscala team option back, and they'll show Darius Baisley the door. And I think I could make a case where it's like, well, do we need to like know whether necessarily that a, a JRE is going to be your long term, or do you need to have Mike Muscala? So like there's some roster flexibility there, in my opinion. But when you're really only dealing with that fine of a line, it's well, what can Darius Baisley plus what get us? And so right. I'm I want them to buy. I want to make that clear. I just I want them to buy. That's just that's what I want. But I don't know that like they're not gonna rush this. Maybe they'll be more aggressive over the offseason when they have cap space, but they still probably want to see what Chet looks like with this corn. I think that's eminently fair. Um, I don't mean to, I guess, like jump ahead here, but let's just get to the trade idea for them. Uh, I think Baisley's the most likely player to be moved. And so the trade idea I have is OKC gets PJ Washington and then Charlotte gets Darius Baisley. The Clippers 2024 first round pick um, or Oklahoma City's first round pick it is the less favorable and it's top 16 protected. So you can go and protect that Clippers pick. Um, and then they get a second round pick as well. Is that enough for you to part with PJ Washington if you're Charlotte? And then OKC fans might look at it as well, we can just pay PJ Washington and restricted free agency. Restricted free agency doesn't work like that. Like teams, if the player matters, are going to match. And so that was my thought process there. I did say, and I just know because you're you root for the Warriors and Steph is involved. I'm trying to figure out a way to get Seth Curry on this team just because it's like Brooklyn might not want to play small when it's Kyrie and Royce O'Neal and Ben is there, but I just didn't know, like, what are you giving Baisley and picks for Curry? Because you do have the traded player. So like, I just don't think that moves the needle for Brooklyn, maybe over the summer when if Kevin Durant requests a trade, but that was the player I focused the most on. I also, I had a Garrison Matthews deal, but that just felt like too much of a fuck you just to be like admitting to that, the Thunder were going to do nothing. So I, I went this route. Yeah, no, I think um, the the Seth the Curry thing. I, I do think you know Basley's not going to move the needle, but someone like Muscala might, which is counter, which is sort of like, well, now we're just taking shooting away from one position to add it at another. Um, but I do think Muscala would have some value for any team that is, you know, oh, we need we need some stretch from a front court spot, and we can't get Turner, we can't get Chris Boucher, we can't get Olenek. Well, Muscala is just right there for way less money than any of those guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's I, the Charlotte thing for Washington. I would imagine that the Thunder to get him in restricted free agency would just have to put a number out there that was like on purpose too much so that it wouldn't get matched. So I'm not into the purpose, the, the deliberate overpay just to get a guy. Um, I don't know if Charlotte, so to answer from the Thunder's perspective, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm giving up Baisley and the protected first or less favorable for sure um, for Washington. If I'm Charlotte, I think I'm either just going to, you know, use my use the leverage and power that comes with restricted free agency to keep him or, you know, ask for something more than that. Uh, if, if I'm because Washington, I feel like he's a fit in a lot of places. Um, so getting him restricted free agency will be very interesting for him because he's sort of been forgotten because the Hornets are irrelevant this season, but he's a guy that is not a star, but just would fit in any, like literally any rotation around the league. So the way restricted free agency works is going to make him an interesting guy. So you would say no, if you're Charlotte, 
Yeah, I'm saying no. I, I'd do it if I'm the Thunder, though. This next team is my team, the Portland Trailblazers. And as I'm just going to scroll up my eyes to look at what time we're starting the Portland Trailblazers, they're buyers. They shouldn't be. I want to make that clear. I'm not Ooh. saying that they need to like go nuclear and trade Dame, but they shouldn't be buyers. Like They're not good enough to be buyers. Did you? The report from Chris Haynes was hysterical where it says they've identified shooting size and depth <laughs> as areas of need at the trade deadline. And it's unintentionally comedic in the sense that, oh, the Blazers have identified almost every single aspect of basketball as an area of need. Yeah, anything else? Do they want guys? Uh, they want defense? Why was that not mentioned? Well, yeah, that's number one, right? Um, so I'm just – I'm uninspired by what this team might do, but they do have – look, Jeremy Grant expiring at $21 million. Josh Hart, $13 million player option. He's expiring. Those are two players I keep my eye on. A lot of people don't think they'll move Grant – uh, it, what if Grant doesn't want to play there? He seems like he's happy there, but if, is he going to sign the extension? Are you going to resign him in free agency? What's going to happen? They do have a $6.5 million uh, ex- traded player exception that will expire before the deadline on February 6th. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the move is for this team. Like their, their best salary matching assets. They kind of need, like when you're looking at Jeremy Grant or Yusuf Nurkic, would they want to, you know, pull a mulligan on the, the GP two deal? Um, they can step ladder their way by putting other players on the board, but it seems like they need sort of a home run swing if they're going to make a trade. And I don't know if they're built to do that because we, we referenced this in the previous podcast, the 2023 first they owe to Chicago is lottery protected through 2028, 2028. So they can't even guarantee a first round pick. You can do first allowable without any guarantee that it conveys and it will probably convey at some point, but not knowing diminishes the value for a team that's, you know, acquiring these players. So like my questions for them are 80 fold. Will they move Josh Hart? Are they open to moving Jeremy Grant? Do they have a big swing in them? And what does that big swing take? I think most people would assume it's Shane Sharp. Okay, fine. Human bounce house has the, could be anyone mystique to him still. He doesn't make enough money to just be like, Hey, like Shane, Shane Sharp and what? And now you don't have this first round equity. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm not, I just, and I don't know what to advocate for them to do. They are one of my biggest mysteries entering the trade deadline. And I got some pushback from Blazers fans. I made the bold prediction that one would be buyer would join the short list of sellers. And I had the Raptors bulls and wizards on it. And I think I ranked the Blazers second. Uh, and I had a, some Blazers fans in my DMS like, no, that's not going to happen. Oh, I don't fucking care. It probably should. Like, that's why they're there. So I, I'm like, I'm at a loss for what this team can do. I did come up with a trade idea to where after, you know, you vamp on them for a little bit. I think that's the level of move they need if they're actually trying to move the needle. Otherwise, you can say that you're not a seller if you do this, but if you just move Josh Hart for something because you don't want to pay him in free agency, that's unspectacular. I don't like, what are you turning? Who are you turning Josh Hart into? Because you would have to, if you want, I think if you want to level up from Josh Hart, you have to attach something to Josh Hart and their best, let's say, non-player asset. I mean, maybe some teams like Nas Little still or Keon Johnson. It'd be nice to see Jabari Walker get some minutes. But, like, do you really want the Minnesota or Charlotte's 2024 second or New Orleans' 2027? Because, like, that's your best sweetener, like, non-player sweetener at this point. Yeah, I think this, the Blazers are a team that I was pretty high on after their offseason moves, and I still am, like, kind of confused as to why they're not better. Obviously, the answer is defense. Um, and a lot of that I think has had to do with Gary Payton the second, just not being healthy until pretty recently. Um, but to me, like 
this, and I'm going to step on your trade idea because I had this exact thought while I was looking at the Blazers, is this is, if it's not going to be a big draft pick package, which it can't be, um, this is still one of the better OG Ananobi destinations just because they clearly need a big wing that can guard and that doesn't need the ball offensively to really, it's probably better off not having the ball a lot offensively, just a total dependent scorer that could play with Grant, that could play with Peyton as your, your forward combos that could guard centers. If you want to try some difference, you know, get Nurkic off the floor to see if that juices the defense and you've got Shaden Sharp, you've got Anthony Simons. You could get pretty close, I think, um, to some of the pack. Now, if the Raptors just want, you know, three firsts in a swap or something, Portland can't do that. But of the teams that can't trade picks or are really hamstrung in that regard, I think the Blazers are one of the best positioned to still be in the mix because of those two guys, Sharp and Simons, as the base of a package for like a meaningful upgrade. Um, I, should they do that? I don't know, because those are kind of your your paths out of the post-Lillard era, um, and Ananobi would not be the same kind of player. But if if you're just 100% committed to, we, we agreed to give Dame $50 million a year until he's 47 years old, and we're going to try to win immediately now while that's going on, then you're almost obligated. Um, I don't think that's the right decision, but I could see it. So do we want to get to this trade? I just, I don't even know. I don't even know what I did here, but like OG Ananobi's the guy that all the Blazers fans want, which means that Blazers fans are smart and understand what this team needs. Although he might provide too much defense. It's not an area of need that they identified. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But he does provide depth size and and some shooting. So that's three out of four. He checks too many boxes. (laughs) So the Blazers get OG Ananobi and Chris Boucher. The Raptors receive Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Jabari Walker, the 2024 second from Charlotte or Minnesota, and then a 2025 first round pick from Portland. It is the first allowable pending obligation to Chicago. It turns into two seconds for Toronto if Portland doesn't convey a pick to the Bulls by 2027, because at that point you can't move the pick. I, one thing I'll make clear, I 100% do this if I'm the Blazers because Anthony Simons, I don't want to say he's redundant with Dame, but like we've seen the, he is. <laughs> I, I thought they were better defensively to begin the season, but we've seen the movie before with how this ends in CJ McCollum and Dame defensively. There's just, if you could get OG while keeping Simons more power to you, you can't, it's just, you're not getting him. You're not getting OG for Nurkic. You're not, it's just not happening. So I would do it if I'm Portland. My question to you is that even like semi intriguing for Toronto? It's semi-intriguing, but I'm still, based on what we've heard and based on what you would intuit are going to be the requirements draft pick-wise, that's probably not enough. You're going to have to rope in, like, can we reroute Boucher to to New Orleans and somehow, like, squeeze out a, a, a pseudo first for that for him there with some, you know, Devontae Graham coming? Like, I think the Blazers are going to have to finagle one or two, maybe just one more good first or a couple of phony firsts to get Toronto's attention there. But like, you know, Simon's, he has his issues, but he would just, and if you're going to lose Van Fleet, especially suddenly you got a guy in there on a pretty, pretty reasonable deal that could just be your point guard. So that box is checked in Toronto. And then Sharp is just the lottery ticket, you know, like maybe he is just 
becomes an all-star level, you know, wing and, and you're good. Like that's possible. So it's close. I just, Toronto seems to probably correctly understand that Ananobi is just about as hot a commodity as there is among guys that have even been like whispered to be available. And Which you don't even want to hear my, my spicy take on Ananobi is I think that might be one of the more overrated players in the NBA right now, to be honest. He might be now. He might be now. Um, you that, want that, someone who can, you know, dribble the ball and commit turnovers aside right. from like, it's just, I think his offensive game is overrated is my point. Uh, that, for sure. Yeah. The, well, I mean, he, I'm, I'm like in my post Ananobi burned phase. Cause I think either two or three years in a row preseason as who's going to make the all-star leap. It's like, Oh, it's definitely going to be Ananobi. Him and De'Aaron Fox have burned me too many times, but, but yeah, Ananobi, the luster is a little bit off, but the contract's good. He's a great defender, and Portland just needs a guy that can just go guard everybody, and that's pretty much him. I, if you could get, if you're Toronto, does it make it more palatable if you can guarantee that 2025 pick is going to convey? You can't because you were, you're saying the Blazers are going to make the playoffs this season. So if you, yeah. let's just say it conveys by 2026. Does I that think make- that's fine. I'm just trying to time it to where everything falls apart and Dame isn't like an all NBA level player anymore. So it, punting, you know, going back 26 towards 26 is better than like 24. I don't think I'd want 20, if not that that's on the table, but like just, I'm trying to time it right. Uh, so I want it right in that window where, you know, Lillard starts to really slip, which has not happened this year. I think, I think you got a couple more years before we see that. And then, I don't know, you're always just trying to buy the downside. You're trying to time it right when you're getting these, these picks with multiple years of protection. This was fun. I think we killed it. Are you ready to, to take us out? Yes, uh, everybody. Thank you again for listening as always. And as we request at the top and we do at the bottom, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars on iTunes, uh, vote us up on YouTube um, and get these uh, rogue contingents of uh, Homer fans, uh, put them in their place. Follow us on socials at Hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok at Hardwood underscore Knox on uh, Instagram. Uh, links for all kinds of stuff are in the description of this video if you're watching Uh, and if you're listening again thank you tell your friends tell your enemies and as always we leave with uh, just a big shout out to Frank Nilakina who again was unmentioned in this episode and an apology to Jared Allen